Hey, Momo, how many drivers do we have in today's race? Eh, uh, 23, sir. What? We need 24 drivers! You know what to do. Ah, uh, you know. Uh, send in the field filler. Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Get all your news, results, and updates on NASCAR every week on this channel. You've tried the best, now here's the rest. Let's fill the last row with our hosts, Vanilla Wafers. Hello everybody, welcome to the bottom of the playlist as well as the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. We are now going to Kentucky Motor Speedway where the race for the playoffs is starting to unfold. We're starting to see which drivers are going to be the most in contention, which drivers are going to slowly fall back. And also, it's going to be on Sunday, which means we might have more weather problems with the race. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why can't we get lucky this year? I just looked at the weather for where the track's at, which is uh, Whitesville, Kentucky. And at the racetrack, it says on Sunday, there will be a 50% precipitation. And it's like, son of a biscuit, why can't we have a race without weather delays? Why can't we have it? Well, the DW curse is back into effect because they're back on Fox, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I got to find a way to fondle Mother Nature to just tell her, hey, you know, just just stay dry on Sundays from here on out. I just want Sundays, maybe Saturdays too, but mostly Sundays. Please, please just let us have a full race without any weather delays. But besides that, we got a lot of news to cover who are going to be the safest picks to go for as far as Kentucky. First and foremost, like we always do, let's get into this week's news. Hi, this is Vanilla Wafers, and due to Momo saying some slander about me in last week's episode, I have decided to be the voiceover for today's news. This, this is the NASCAR Weekly News. Oh, wait, there's a few more seconds. Um, uh, Momo, say something. E. Screw you, buddy. You took my job. <clears throat> Alright, so let's touch on the most important news of this weekend, and that is the updated schedule for the rest of the regular season. They just released on JSKI the updated schedule for the month of August. And I got the full layout here. There's some very interesting schedule changes as far as double headers go, as well as a racetrack where they haven't raced on this layout before. So we have a lot of interesting things. Now, I am going to go over the cup races. Um, you can also look this up for the Gander Outdoor Series or the Xfinity Series or the ARCA. But all of these tracks, except for like two races, they're going to be at the same racetrack. So you can kind of get an idea on where the lower tier racing will be at. So let's get it started with the first weekend. On August 8th and August 9th, we will have a double header at Michigan International Speedway. Both races will start at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network, and it looks like both those races will be 311 miles long. Then the very next week, they are going to be going to the Daytona Road Course for the first time ever. Uh, they were going to race this one on the Sprint Unlimited for the 2021 season. However, they wanted to do a race beforehand since Watkins Glen lost their race schedule due to the whole pandemic going on and the New York not really opening up that area. So they will be racing at the Daytona Road Course on August 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Then the next week, we have another doubleheader, this time at Dover International Speedway on both Saturday and Sunday, August 22nd and August 23rd at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network. Both those races will be the same as Michigan as 311 miles long. 
And then the week after that, on August 29th, they will be wrapping up the regular season at Daytona International Speedway once again, this time running the Coke 0400. So a pretty good layout, pretty interesting one. We will have six races in the month of August, which is super exciting, uh, especially for NASCAR fans. I'm looking mostly forward to that Daytona road course. It's not Watkins Glen per se, but we get to see this track for the first time. So I'm excited about that. But overall, double headers are nice. We got a lot of stats to cover on those weekends. So I'm excited for this. Now we got the layout for the regular season. Let's just hope that the chase for the cup or the playoff schedule, whatever way you want to call it, has Las Vegas in it. I just want to go to Las Vegas so bad this year. Please, NASCAR. At least do Las Vegas. That's all I'm asking. So here's the controversial news that I wanted to talk about on Monday, but I wanted to save it for this week's news segment. And that is Chernobyl.com or Twitter. I like to call it Chernobyl because it's so toxic. Had Donald J. Trump, our president of the United States, send out a tweet that stated, has Bubba Wallace apologized to all of those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came to his aid, stood by his side, and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out that the whole thing was just another hoax? That and flag decision has caused lowest ratings ever. Alright, let's break this down. Let's start off with the biggest thing, and that is that the tweet is very misinformed. It wasn't necessarily a hoax. It wasn't a Jesse Smollett situation, as a lot of people were saying after they figured out that the noose was there since last year. It was a legit noose. They took photos of it. Yeah, you cannot mistake that. That is That rope was tied like a noose. Was it on the garage ceiling? Yes, or the garage door, per se. And was it really a hate crime? No. But... I can see why they thought that at first. What NASCAR is guilty of, if they're guilty of anything, is the fact that they jumped the gun to say it was a hate crime. They did the investigation, which was which was right, and they gave us the final results, and they said, yes, we made the mistake. They apologized for it, but they said they were just happy that it wasn't an actual hate crime that happened because they thought that would be way worse than this not really being a hate crime at all, which 100% makes sense. And second off... For Bubba Walls to apologize to everyone, like I said, he didn't see it. So why should he apologize? And he didn't really go on there saying, I'm being treated differently because of the skin of my color. This is a major hate crime. He was mostly in a sense of just like, if this did happen, I knew stuff like this would potentially happen. It's disgusting if it does, but it's the way it is. And we know when you take a stance on something that people are going to react negatively to it. So he shouldn't really apologize. And most of the drivers have stood by his side. Except for maybe Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick did stand by his side. I'm not saying he didn't. But he had to take down his tweet because RCR said, nope, nope, I am pro-Trump. You are not going to be putting down that stuff. So I was just thinking in my head, MAGA HATS all over the RCR camp. I mean, don't look at them differently. Don't hate RCR because he can have his own political views. I just don't think you should silence somebody for standing up for somebody else. That's all I'm saying on that. But yeah. That was some pretty interesting news, I'm not going to lie. And uh, Oh yeah, and by the way, the ratings have actually climbed up in a sense or stayed stagnant. So for him to say that the ratings are dropping is completely false. So you made a mistake on that, President Trump. So you might be the bum of the week just for all that misinformation as far as NASCAR goes. Because that tweet was a mm, mm, meme worthy. 
All right, let's get into more positive news, and that is involving the seven-time champion, the number 48 of Jimmy Johnson. As you guys are aware that last week, I decided to pick him for the Indianapolis race, but I decided to drop him immediately when I heard that he was not going to race the race as he tested positive for COVID-19. It was him and his wife. His kids did not test positive, but they thought it would be best that he sits out. And we did not know how long he was going to sit out. I was thinking it was probably going to be three races, but looks like NASCAR has given him the thumbs up and his doctors that he is clear to race at Kentucky. So for the Ally number 48 machine, you will see Jimmy Johnson. No substitute drivers. It will be him. So good for him. Hopefully, this doesn't affect him too much and making it into the playoffs. Yes, he did lose quite a bit of points for not racing that event, but it is what it is. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and if anyone tests positive for it, they got to sit out. But it's great to see that it was only one week and not multiple weeks for him. Now, the last bit of news I wanted to cover is involving Zach Price. If you don't know who Zach Price is, he's the rear tire changer for Ryan Blaney's team. And if you were watching the Brickyard 400 down going down Pitt Road, in the early laps, there was a big accident that involved him getting hit by the number 15 machine. And it looked really, really bad. However, he gave up the thumbs up. He was smiling and he got sent to the hospital. Here's a quick update. This is reported from Team Penske as well as Bob Pockrass. I, I hope I said that name right. He's one of the analysts of NASCAR. He, he's really good. Follow him on Twitter if you ever have to go to Chernobyl.com. But he said Zach Price continues to recover at home from a lower left leg injury sustained following Sunday's pit road incident at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Curtis Thompson will serve as the rear tire changer for the number 12 Advanced Auto Parts Ford Mustang at Kentucky. So yes, he's still hurt, but he and he's not really 100% yet to be back on pit road. But the fact that he is okay, he's at home right now, and he can rest is the best news because that was a brutal scene to see. I mean, you saw him legitimately get crushed. So thank goodness he is okay, and hopefully we see Zach Price back out on the racetrack because, man, that was brutal. And that will cover this week's news. We had actually a lot to cover on an extended schedule. We also had the president tweet about NASCAR. And then we had a driver and a pit crew member starting to get better. So all in all, pretty good news. So let's now go into this week's picks as they race at Kentucky Motor Speedway. Alright, so it's going to be similar to last week. We're going to have 20 choices here to choose from. Five of them being really safe picks, five being top 10 guys, five guys being dark horses, and then five people you're going to shoot for the moon for. Like, it's far-fetched, but there might be a chance that they do really good in this race. And I'm going to base it off of the last four mile and a half track for the 2020 season and the last five races at Kentucky Motor Speedway. If, of course, they race in the Xfinity beforehand, I'll take that into consideration. And if um, they wreck out, I'm not going to equal it to the average or an engine problem or something like that. So, and also remember... I do it based off of Fantasy Live, so maybe the five safe picks will be the way to go, but you can only use some drivers 10 times in the season, so keep that in mind as we go through this list. Let's first start off with the number one guy, and that is the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Now, Kyle Busch has been in an interesting state this year, 
But look at his stats in the 2020 season. He finished 6th, 2nd, 29th, and 4th. And when we average out those points, it's been 38 points. Obviously, that one at the Coca-Cola 600 kind of weighs it out and makes it look bad. But look at his finishes at Kentucky. He's finished 2nd, 4th, 5th, 12th, and 1st, averaging out 46 points. If you're looking at these averages, he's going to score you in the low 40s, which is still actually really good, especially for Kyle Busch. If he kind of has a race similar to Atlanta or one of the Charlotte races, he can get you up to 52 points. But then again, he does struggle when he doesn't have practice. So he may not be a winner, but he might get you a good amount of points. Martin Trex Jr. in the number 19. I know he kind of let us down really bad at Indianapolis, but his stats overall at mile and a half are actually a little bit better than Kyle Busch's after the pandemic because he's finished 12th, 3rd, 9th, and 6th. A little bit off from Kyle Busch, but he's gotten more stage points. On average, he's scoring 40 points. And then here at Kentucky, he scores really well. Last year, he did get 19th, but then the two years before that, he won both those races, and then he finished 10th and 17th with an average point score of 47. Is he going to win the race? I don't think he will. I mean, he's been a little bit off this year as far as coming back from the pandemic. So it's going to be a little bit of a riskier take, but overall, he's been scoring on average 40 points this year at mile and a half and 40 points at Kentucky. 40 points, uh, kind of solid right there. Maybe go with Martin Truex Jr. Third guy I want to talk about is Chase Elliott. Now, Chase Elliott hasn't really done that well as far as Kentucky goes. He usually finishes between 10th and 15th. So why does he go on this list? It is because of how dominant he's been at mile and a half this year. Second, eighth, first, second, average points, 47 points. It's so hard to go against him at mile and a half this year. So I'm going to put him as a safe pick. I really think he can turn it around here at Kentucky. Even though on average he scores 25 points here at Kentucky, I think he can finally turn it around and make it a lot better. And he has shown success here before. A couple years ago in 2018, he finished third, or excuse me, 2017, so he has the potential to run really well at this racetrack, and he might do it again this year, especially if he get, keeps getting the same stats at mile and a half, so keep an eye on Chase Elliott. A guy that makes the safe picks for the first time is the number one of Kurt Busch. Now, this one's a kind of an interesting one because, yes, he got that victory last year, but before that, he's finished sixth, had engine problems, fourth, and tenth, so those stats more look like a top ten guy. And then if you look at his races here in the 2020 season, 17th, 6th, 5th, 7th, average 31 points. Why did I put him on this list? It is simply because Chip Ganassi is starting to make movements in the right direction. And I'd say Kurt Busch can really pick it up, especially at Kentucky. He really likes this track according to his results. I think he can get about 42, 43 points in this race. That's a fairly safe pick. And he really does not struggle at this racetrack except for that engine problem so and he's been getting on average about 38 or more points so I would consider him a safe pick maybe put him on your list if say you use Kyle Busch or Chase Elliott one too many times and the fifth guy I gotta put him in and that is Denny Hamlin Denny Hamlin right now is just a safe pick overall he's been doing really good this year I mean look at his 2020 results here at mile and a half first 5th, 2nd, then 29th. He ran into some problems in the first mile and a half track from the pandemic. So on average, he's scoring 37. If you subtract that, it's going to be way up more, probably around 48 points on average. And then here at Kentucky, 5th, 16th, 4th, 15th, 3rd. So it's been a little bit up and down, but he still on average will get you 34 points. And with a dominant season like this, 
I'd say that Denny Hamlin is a fairly safe pick to go with. Um, would I use him over Chase Elliott or maybe Kyle Busch? I don't think so as far as Kentucky goes. I mean, if I've used these three guys maybe four times already, I would rather use those guys more over than Denny Hamlin. So those are the safe picks. Here's the top 10 guys. Starting it off is the number two of Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski's score has been a little similar to Denny Hamlin, but just a little bit lower on the averages. So that's why he's more of a top 10 guy. 10th, 9th, 7th, and then he won a race. And that was the Coke 600 with the pit strategy. So on average, he scored 34 points. Fairly good. Not, not as good as the safe pick guys, but still 30-something points is always really good for your fantasy. And then here at Kentucky, it's been even more up and down compared to Denny Hamlin. 20th, 3rd, wrecked out. He won a race, then 6. So scoring on average, 33 points, not counting the wreck. So just a little bit lower than Denny Hamlin. Brad Keselowski would be a really f easy pick to go with if you want to get some uh, more stable points. I mean, yes, he does go up and down, but on average, about 30-something points. Might be a good guy to go with. Ryan Blaney in the number 12. He goes on this list solely just for the fact of how good he's been at mile and a half this year. Third, fourth, third, third. So on average, getting a top five. Average score, 47 points. Here at Kentucky, it's a little bit different. 13th, he did get a second. 10th, and then 5th. So a little bit more back, but I mean, I think he's more of a safe pick than Denny Hamlin per se. Might maybe move him up to a safe pick. I mean, Ryan Blaney's points have been phenomenal, but there is a chance you probably used him a lot. So if you're looking at this at a sense of a mile and a half, definitely put him at the top of your list. But if you're looking back at the Kentucky results, he's going to be more of a top 10 guy. So take it either way. I'm really a fan if you put Ryan Blaney in regardless. So definitely a good pick there. Number four of Kevin Harvick only hits the top 10 list this week. And that is because of his finishes both at uh, mile and a half this year and his finishes at Kentucky. They're on average only top 10s. He did get a win at Atlanta, but Atlanta is more of his track per se. He always does really good at that track. Here at Kentucky though, 22nd, 5th, 9th, 9th, 8th. Still good finishes, average out 37 points in the last five races, but it's not the Kevin Harvick we're used to. I would save Kevin Harvick for another race rather than put him in for Kentucky. Next guy is the number 20 of Eric Jones. Eric Jones has been a little hit or miss for me. I'm going to be honest with you. His points have looked really good, but then again, um, he gets into an accident or something. So he's been a little tough for me. But look at his stats here at Kentucky. Third, seventh, and sixth. Average points, 39. That's why I put him on the top 10 list. He looks really good at this racetrack. Mile and a half this year, been kind of off. 21st, 28th, 26th, and 11th. Not really that good so far. Averaged out 19 points. I really think, though, he can turn it around right here. He absolutely needs to at this race, too, because he was doing strategies over at Indianapolis. Just got a flat tire, didn't work for him. So he's right there on the bubble. He needs to do good at this race. He seems to do really good as far as stat-wise go. Maybe put him on your list. He may be a bit of a risky guy, though, so do remember that. Tyler Reddick in the number eight will finish out the top 10 guys and it is solely because he keeps getting better and better at these mile and a half and in the Xfinity he absolutely dominated look at these stats fourth 16th 14th 8th average points 38 this year at mile and a half that's really good and then the Xfinity series in the last three races third six first average out 47 points 
Is he going to be as successful as he was at Homestead? I don't know if that would be the case, but I think he can do about an average with 38 points. He might be one of the best top 10 guys to go with, probably second to Ryan Blaney to pick. So Tyler Reddick, I have no problem with putting him on your list. So that will conclude the top 10 guys. Now let's move on to the Dark Horses. Number 95 of Christopher Bell just barely misses the top 10 list, and that's just solely because his points have not been the best as far as mile and a half go. Yes, his last race at a mile and a half track was an 8th place where he scored 29 points, but before that it's been 18th, 21st, and 9th, averaging out 24 points. Not the best, but then when you look at his last two races at Xfinity, he finished 2nd and 1st at this racetrack, so he really does like this racetrack as well. I think he can get a top 10. He he surely can pull it off, but I don't know about too much of stage points per se. Can he be a value? I'd say he'd be a good dark horse to go with. I'm not saying that he wouldn't be, but I think he's going to be a little bit more behind people like Eric Jones and Tyler Reddick, but that's just me. Joey Logano in the number 22 is actually a dark horse in this race. And here's the reason why. His mile and a half this year just haven't been good. Yes, he scored on average 32 points, but that's really not Joey Logano. And also his last few races here, they've been 7th, 10th, 8th, and 2nd. And, you know, ever since the pandemic's coming back, he really hasn't been that strong guy. So I don't know if he's going to get the top 10. I think he might get a 12th or a 13th. But I'm going to keep him more as a dark horse. I wouldn't use him as far as a pick goes because I'm telling you, Joey Logano is worth way more than what he is right now. I would save him for another race at this time, but he is considered honestly a dark horse in my opinion. Uh, Jimmy Johnson in the number 48 machine. He's coming back. I really feel like he's doing really good this year at mile and a half. 16th, 7th, 11th, and then got that second, but then he got DQ'd. So not counting that one, average out 26. If you include that one, it would be up to 30-something. And then over here at Kentucky, yes, he has gotten a couple of wrecks, but he's finished 14th and 9th. So really the stats have been really up and down for Jimmy Johnson, but that's really how it's been the last five years for Jimmy. I really think he needs to come back. He's going to be more in a state of Eric Jones. So he really has to do good. So that's why I consider him more of a dark horse. Maybe even a shoot for the moon kind of guy. But that's where I have Jimmy Johnson. So you can take a risk on him, but it's no guarantee. Cole Custer is another dark horse to go with. And it's mostly because of his averages for the 2020 season at mile and a half. It's averaged out to about 20 points. He's done really good here in the Xfinity series. He scores on average 50 points. But he also did the same thing at Pocono, and he didn't really show the results. However, he did good at Indianapolis, but it was mostly due to more strategy. So take your picks on there. I'm pretty sure you have a bunch of picks for Cole Custer. Maybe you can use him for this race. Maybe it's not going to be like Pocono, but that's for you guys to decide. He does have that average of 20 points a mile and a half. Kind of risky to go with, but that's just me. The number 10 of Eric Amarola. He has to be on the dark horse list because I really can't put him off to the side too far. Yes, his points haven't been the best per se compared to these other guys when it comes to Kentucky. He scored on average 29 points here. And then at mile and a half, this is the reason why he's a dark horse, averaged out 25 points. But he is on a top five run, five top fives in a row. 
when you have momentum like that, it's hard to go against him. So I would definitely pick him. He would be more of a dark horse for me because I don't think it's technically a guarantee that he's going to kick ass at Kentucky. But there's a really, really good chance, especially being in the top 12, qualifying near the front on that momentum. I wouldn't be ashamed to put Eric Amarola on your list. So that's the dark horse, guys. Now let's move on to the shoot for the moon, guys. These are the guys whose stats really don't look the best, and you're mostly taking a gamble on them. Number 14 of Clint Boyer just missed the dark horse list just barely because on average he scored 25 points so far this year at mile and a half. It's been way hit or miss for him this season when it comes to mile and a half. And then at um, Kentucky itself, he scores on average 29 points. Fairly good. A little bit more outside the top 10. So that's why it's more of a shoot for the moon. He might get you a top 10, but at the same time, he might also get you a 19th place finish. It's going to be really uh, back and forth between there. That is uh, for you to decide on that one. Kind of a shoot for the moon guy. I would kind of stay away from him because he can definitely get you a top 10 at other racetracks. Austin Dillon in the number three, solely for the fact that he's done really well at mile and a half tracks. On average at Kentucky, his points have been abysmal, 18 points on average. However, this year, it's a different team. Tyler Reddick has really helped that team out. They scored on average 33 points. He could get you a top 10 in this race. Just according to his results at Kentucky, it's a little different. So take that into consideration. He might get you a top 10. He might get you a few stage points. He's really good at getting you stage points this year. But he might also finish 20th. Might be a 20 points day, maybe even a 30 points day. If you think he can get you 30, by all means, put him on your list. That would be really good, especially for a shoot for the moon guy. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in the number 47. He's kind of a little bit similar in a sense of um, he's done fairly well at mile and a half this year. But at the same time, he's also finished 20th or worse at a couple of them as well. And then here at Kentucky, he's finished 12th, 26th, 14th, and 11th. So he's right there on the cusp, but I'm putting him more as a shoot for the moon guy because there is a chance he could get a top 10. The 47 cards, for some reason, has been doing really good at mile and a half. So Ricky Stenhouse could get you a top 10, but it's all based on kind of opinions and just kind of more of a feel more than hardcore facts. So that's for you guys to decide. Next one, Alex Bowman in the number 88. I put him on here solely for how well he's been doing at mile and a half after the pandemic. 18th, 12th. 31st and 19th it doesn't look good in any shape or form I know but look at his points 28 25 22 47 that means he's doing good as far as stage points goes so on average scoring 31 definitely a shoot for the moon guy if he can get it all put together he can get you 40 something points but but just to let you guys know he's finished 17th here and he's wrecked in the other race at Kentucky so keep that one in mind and the last guy for the shoot for the moon segment, I'm going to have to put in the number 38 of John Hunter Nemechek. And here's the reason why. He's been right there flirting with the top 10 at these mile and a half for quite a while. Yes, he's only averaged out 20 points, but he could potentially turn it around here, especially now that the front row motorsports is starting to get some good finishes here and there. I mean, look at Michael McDowell. I just think John Hunter Nemechek can do a little better here because he's been doing better at mile and a half. And in the Xfinity series, he does fairly well here. He's finished 7th and 12th. Not as good as the other rookies, but still, he could be a guy you may want to shoot for the moon for. So let's 
let's say you've used up all your top guys and you've got like people like Joey Logano and Jimmy Johnson, people you don't really trust so far, he might be a guy to take a good risk here. Um, if I had to pick anyone from the Shoot from the Moon segment, I would maybe go with Austin Dillon over these guys. Second, maybe Alex Bowman, but that's just me. I mean, John Hunter Nemechek, Ricky Stenhouse, Clint Boyer, don't um, turn them down just because I said that. They still could get you 28 or more points. And for a sixth guy, that's actually really good. You want people like that. So those are the lineups. Now, let me give you our picks for this race. So this week, I'm going in a little more interesting move. I'm going to take a little bit of more riskier guys this week. And so here's my list. I think I'm going to go with Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, Eric Jones, Tyler Reddick, Eric Amarola, and it's just going to be maybe either Alex Bowman or Austin Dillon, one of those two guys. I might, I'm going to have to really decide here on the shoot for the moon, guys, but I'm really taking guys that you don't usually see at the top of the points this year. I just feel like it's going to be a really good race for them. That's just me. Now for Mechanical Manny. Mechanical Manny, he is pissed. He wants some points. He wants to kick my ass. I know he does. And here's his picks. He went with Ryan Blaney, Martin Trex Jr., Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, and William Byron. He's picked all the safe picks and all the top guys. I don't blame him. I mean, there's a really, really good chance that those guys could really dominate this race. William Byron, I, I don't know. I really haven't really seen too much from him as far as these races go. Uh, yes, he did really good in the Coca-Cola 600, but he got a flat tire. He might be a good uh, shoot for the moon guy as well. So don't take him out of consideration, but I would lean more towards these guys in a sense. And what, what do we have here? Oh, great. A message from Doofus Rufus. Okay, let's see what this guy says. This week, I have done absolutely no research. That's right, I am taking some big gambles this week. Instead, I want you to pick the last three winners of the Cup Series race and the last three winners of the Xfinity race. Okay, well, no, Martin Trex. Oh, wait, there's more. If there's a repeated winner, put Kyle Busch in there. He is a god. Okay, okay. Cool. So that means he's going to have Martin Trex Jr., Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, Kurt Busch, and Cole Custer. Now, let's be honest. Those are actually not too bad picks. I'm going to have a couple of those guys on there. But that's kind of a cheap way to pick your guys. So whatever, Doofus Rufus, you're in on this list. There may be a chance you might be one of us. Chances are not likely. And then finally, Crazy Corrado. He's been having a couple of rough starts. And for his result, he has... Not giving it to me yet. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm doing this podcast a little bit earlier than usual. It will still be posted. It will still be posted at the same time. But for now, we will have his blank. But I will have it on Monday. So those are our picks. Let's hope we do well going into Kentucky. And that will conclude the last segment of today's episode, guys. Make sure to tune in to Fox Sports 1 on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern to make sure that you tune in to the race. They're going to have it on Fox Sports, not NBC. And most of all, thank you guys so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast.